Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Connor, we haven't gotten your thoughts. Obviously, we haven't talked to you this offseason, but about the big bang. Can we call it that? Or we got to give it like a nickname of the Bergeron. <laughs> the big Bergeron crazy bang. <laughs> let's call it a let's call it a legacy sequel. in there hello everybody welcome to the brews and bruins podcast episode 90 i think so of season three i think season which, three which feels like too many episodes for one season like why are we doing these sticking 90 of them in there you know well you but- know we have to do two episodes a week thanks DraftKings <laughs> and uh the hockey podcast network um and uh Bruins diehards, Pride diehards, Miller Lite, free <laughs> advertising. Um, we have Connor Ryan here, and we also have Cat Silverman, and we may see an Izzy at one point. I was told she's watching Australian gymnastics movies, so she's also feeling a little humbled after uh, spilling orange juice on my keyboard. <laughs> Uh, during our last recording, it was a it was a tough time out last performance, but you know everybody gets speed bag yeah. once in a while. You got to go out there for sixty next game. You know, we'll have Izzy back soon. Sorry, but uh, Connor, how you doing? It's been a while since we've had you on. Uh, how you doing? <laughs> How's I'm your doing summer? swell. I, it's uh, going very well. I'm I'm glad that the Bruins decided to wait a few weeks and then just knock out everything within the span of one day made things uh, hectic for a couple of days, but now back to the tail end of the summer, relaxing a little bit. So nothing overly eventful other than Bergeron and Krejci coming back and all that fun stuff. How are you guys all doing? Oh, wonderful. Doing well. Doing well. We're uh, still fixing up the house. <laughs> getting, uh... It's an ongoing process. <laughs> yeah, it's, Truly, uh, I, I believe every homeowner has told me that it is a never-ending process, but I didn't fully believe it until we started doing it. So, yeah, that's why I'm just never going to buy a house. I probably never, <laughs> among another number of other reasons. <laughs> number one right reason before inflation hit. That yeah, that's the only reason. That's it. iconic. Just that. Um, Cam, I see you're sipping on something over there. I am. What, yeah. uh, what art thou drinketh? 
going back to a, a fan favorite. It's been a while. Uh, the Baxter Coastal Haze IPA. Uh, I haven't had this, I think, since like maybe last fall. It's one of my favorite beers that you can find pretty much anywhere in Maine, maybe. I think throughout New England. Uh, it's just a really consistent, delicious IPA. It's not too hoppy. It's not not hoppy enough. Like it's got the hoppy flavor you want in an IPA, but it's not punching the face hoppy. It's smooth. It's citrusy. It's just, a, I don't know what else to say besides a, a go-to classic IPA. It does pass the Drew test, though, I think. Depending on how big the glass is, I can barely make out Drew. So it's not terribly hazy. Um, but it is delicious. Drinkability, quite high for an IPA. I'm going to give it a 29. Tasteability, a 34. And uh, an excellent 34 right there. Drew, you are scaring the shit out of me. <laughs> you got to do the Drew test with the light. Oh, uh, with the light? for the. Can you lighting. see my pores? I can't the... see your pores. I think it's partially the glass, too, because there's some weird refraction going on here. But, yeah, this is from uh, Austin Brewworks or something like that in Austin, Texas. The glass, not the beer. The beer's from Maine. <laughs> Somebody else pick it up. I don't know. <laughs> that... Corona oh. refresco. Yo, hey. yo. I was off my rocker in North Carolina. <laughs> we saw. Yeah, I had these on the pod before. Uh, they're, you know, basically like a little, I don't know, is there even beer in this? It's just like no, a cocktail. No, it's a malt liquor. Yeah. Yeah, it's a malt, uh, yeah, malt beverage. Kind of like a cocktail. Um, this one is the coconut lime uh, version. That's right. Yeah. Um, tastes like coconut. Highly tasteable. Um, That's real good. It's uh, like a 34 tasteability. And then drinkability, 4.5% alcohol. I could see like after a couple of them, maybe like a little too sweet. So take some points away from that. But it's also also really uh, drinkable. We'll give it a 31. doesn't have as bad of an aftertaste as uh, some malt beverages do, which is kind of nice. Um, I'm drinking the same thing, but the passion fruit lime, um, we bought these so that is could have her two favorite people over. First drink. (laughs) No, um, some of our good friends are also her good friends and she invited them over for a party on Sunday and then, uh, went a little too hard at the beach on Saturday and dehydrated herself and could not have people over. So we just have a fridge full of drinks that we bought for adults that were coming over to hang out with a child. Yep. So Nice. Hell yeah. Uh, Connor. So I got the, uh, went up to Hill Farmstead Brewery uh, way up in Vermont. I was going to say Stowe, but it's kind of that dangerous part of Vermont where you, you get up to Stowe and it's like three and a half hours and then you realize you're not there yet and you put in Google Maps and it's like you are 11 miles away from Hill Farmstead, but it's going to take you like 70 minutes to get there. So I'm like, what treacherous like Oregon Trail like path are we going on here? Some real birds. Territory. Yes, exactly. So uh took quite a while to get there. Was absolutely worth it. A uh, very small operation, but um I'm going with their uh American Imperial IPA called Abna. Uh, they're all all their beers, I believe, are named after uh members of the family. So they have a very long uh 
biography of Abner, uh, the great grandfather. It's kind of like a Tolkien chapter, so I'm not going to read all of it. But most importantly, <laughs> uh, it is very, uh, very tasty and uh, very. I would probably say tasteability and drinkability. I'll give them both 33. I'll give it a nice char. This is a good char. Char of the big reach. What a huge pirouette. And the big man scores. An incredible move. 6-9. And he's a ballerina. Exactly. (laughs) I did not know you guys could do that. And I was rattled for a second that I just got thrown on another channel. I'm not sure we can. (laughs) (laughs) But I I highly endorse this. A good 33. Good charabia. Good lord. I love that Drew's just always ready to interrupt our guest with the most <laughs> jarring Jack Edwards shit. Dude, it was so there. loud, dude. It was just Jack Oh my god. That scared the face. shit out of me, and I know it's possible. I can't even imagine what you want. I gotta put the face. volume down on those things, but I don't know how, so it'll oh, never happen. Lord. Sorry for the scare. Over here. Yeah. Keeps me on my toes, Drew. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, I have here a Fruit smash. We got to add in a smashing sound effect after that. Fruit smash. smash. <laughs> uh, super hard seltzer. Uh, so it's an 8%. Um, Jesus. Wild watermelon is the flavor. Yeah. And for 8%, you cannot taste the extra 3% uh, from what like is usually out. 5%. <laughs> what? That just sounds like a Smirnoff ice. Like the flavor, the description. Yeah. The watermelon in drinks, I don't usually like too much, but the taste is really light. It definitely tastes more like you're having a regular old seltzer water, which is dangerous. So I'm going to say the drinkability is 36, just so I don't have to press the Bergeron button um, <laughs> and scare everyone again. Um Tasteability though, <laughs> tasteability though, that's going to be an eleven. A Trent, Fred, Eric, and I don't have one for him yet, but trying. That's it's a not that bloody. Woo, <laughs> woo. Um. Anyway, moving onward from drinks. DraftKings! The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. You can fuel your fandom and feel the heat and feel the sweat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Please talk about an upcoming game of your choice, matchup slash pairings that interest you, who you'll be keeping an eye on, who may most excites you, etc. Uh, how about them Red Sox, dude? Them Red Sox are playing baseball best of all DraftKings is safe secure and reliable you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use promo code THPN make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000 that's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details Connor, we haven't gotten your thoughts. Obviously, we haven't talked to you this offseason, but about the big bang 
Can we call it that? Or we got to give it like a nickname of the Bergeron. <laughs> the big Bergeron crazy bang. <laughs> let's call it a, let's call it a legacy sequel. <laughs> Electric that's Boogaloo? The, that's the <laughs> term that's hot in the streets uh, in cinema now. So. The Cosmos. But uh, just overall thoughts on Bergeron and Krejci being back and, and what this means for the this year's team. Yeah, I um, was not surprised when uh, as soon as the Bruins decided to have fun on Twitter and just send like random still photos or like winking gifs. Uh, that, at that point, it was pretty much mapped out for a while now. And when you look at it, Fernand was the only realistic option they had, right? It wasn't, you know, as much as people talk, I think, really early on in the offseason where you're dealing with the drama of like Cassidy getting fired. Is David Pasternak one out and is he miserable? People go through the other scenarios like, oh, they should just tank. You know, they should get Connor Bedard or anything like that, which is never going to be realistic. Obviously, when you just look at the fact of the way the rest of the roster is built, all, all these things. So what other option was there other than kind of running it back with an established core of veterans that at the very least you kind of know what you're going to get out of them, right? Like, I don't think this was a team that obviously if let's say they Bergeron and Krejci don't come back and you're trying to, you know, cobble together this roster where Charlie Coyle and Eric Hall are your one C and your two C, if that's the kind of path they took, not great. So your options were either rebuild when you don't have a bad enough roster to realistically get a, even like a top 10 pick, you know, top five, definitely not top five, but so you can't fully tank. Uh, you don't want to just be in, stuck in that awful no man's land of, all right, we're probably going to stink, but we're going to hover around like, you know, that, that 12, 13, 14th overall pick, something like that. Um, so what other option was there? It was running it back with a guy in Bergeron who even at his age had one of his best, if not his best season ever. And a guy in David Krejci, who, even though I think people talk about, Oh, he played like what are people saying? Like he played like Fama's over in the Czech league. Uh, he's still really good. And like, you even look at the way he played like in the world championships um, and you put him with, let's say the line next year is Taylor Hall and David Pasternak. Pretty good second line. Like I, This team definitely has some holes. You definitely need uh, a lot to go your way. But, you know, I, it was one of those things where I, I talked about this before in terms of how this team looks. And I'm going through all these things like, well, they need like Swayman to take a step forward. They need DeBrus to build off this year. But it kind of feels like that's every team though, right? Like you look at how long a season is, how much you need to go right. It's not like the Bruins are some special case where you have to check off 15 things has to go in the right direction for them to be a contender. Like, are they a top tier team like Colorado? No, but they're in the mix. Right. And I think you look at the way the roster is uh, sometimes all it kind of takes is being in that mix to go on a run. Cause I think there's a lot to like about the, the baseline, I guess, of how this roster is being built out for right now. Yeah. I feel like the Bruins are a very solid, like B to B plus team right now, which is fine going into the season. And I, I think it's a little concerning me with the, the health issues that they have, but overall, I feel like going in with that and then seeing what you got. And if, if things are going well, then you can try to make that move with the deadline or something. And, you know, obviously that's a long way out right now, but I don't know, like Connor said, what other options do you have? Like yeah. you're, you're either, you're not good enough to be, or you're not bad enough to be good, bad. You're going to be stuck in that no man's land where, you know, you might as well just get rid of it or, or try to run it back. So um, Connor, I am interested to hear your thoughts. Like what, what was your reaction to like the timeline there? Cause I know we were kind of talking about it every week, like not a huge rush, not a huge rush, figure it out, you know, that, that stuff. But obviously like we're getting into late July and stuff. It was starting to get a little bit late. Did you ever kind of have that little doubt? Like, Oh man, they do. They are like 
do they have a plan or are they waiting on something or did you kind of feel like it was just going to be, you know, status quo and more of the same? Yeah, I think for Bergeron, it was pretty much set in stone that I imagined when we were, it was dragging on for a few weeks, I thought the biggest hurdle, which it turns out to be the case, was just kind of, I think, talking out that the language of those contracts, the bonus overages and kind of, you know, manipulating that and essentially pushing it to, to next season, which I think they were trying to find that number. Even when, like, they announced the Krejci deal, uh, I was still expecting probably a higher base salary of what it was. So I think it's kind of getting that, you know, bridging that gap and finding that common ground in terms of like, all right, we're going to give you, uh, you know, money's going to be pushed into next year, at least in terms of how we're going to manipulate it. But like you look at Bergeron's, what it's his two and a half kicks in off of playing 10 games. Like these aren't things where it's going to be necessarily large hurdles to get them. Uh, those, those incentive laden, uh, you know, parts of their contract. So I, I think that was the biggest challenge in terms of just finding that common ground. But I also like in the back of your head, you get to like, three weeks post Sweeney, you know, at the draft being like, yeah, it's going to be fine. And you're like, all right, I think Bergeron's back, but like David Krejci, you never know, right? Like he easily, he had the time of his life last year, uh, going back home, uh, you know, being with his family again, playing in the Czech league. Um, he even t- kind of talked about it during his first media availability with us that, you know, I think he's excited to be back. It wasn't any, uh, a thing where he was, you know, that was a chapter of his life that he could check off that he did and he was ready to move on. Like, he loved, you know, being in that spot and what I think pro athlete who's been away from home for so long wouldn't, you know, you know, share that kind of sentiment. So it wouldn't have surprised me if he decided to go back or something like that. I didn't think it was going to be a situation where he was going to sign with like the Carolina Hurricanes or anything like that. Because people were talking about how he's in uh, South Carolina or anything like that. But um, that was one where you're kind of worried about in terms of whether he would uh, go back to Europe, which, again, would not have really surprised me. But I think when you look at just the situation in place with playing with Bergeron again, playing with David Posteronk, which he mentioned, and the fact that it does kind of have the feeling of that last dance or that finality in terms of what this current team is. Um, even just for one year, I guess it's kind of too much, too good of an offer for a guy like Krejci to pass up. Yeah. This team isn't like one of those, it's not like the penguins or the caps where like everyone's just kind of going, all right, this is the year that they finally die. Right. This is not a team that's built around one aging player or two aging players. It's kind of the, the peaks are, are all kind of staggered. So, um, I mean, they've, they've got Pasternak and McAvoy who are still there. So, like, no matter what happens, this, this team isn't going to be in contention for the number one pick. And I, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was something that was percolating on Twitter for a while. Um yeah, I'm, uh, I I keep bringing this up, but last year there was a certain period of time where both Olmark and Swayman got got hot, and the Bruins were the best team in the league. Um, and it's not a, it's easy to look back and be like, all right, well, if Krejci was on that team, we're talking about a, an entirely different season. And I mean, also worth mentioning, I don't think there were many people among Bruins fans who were mad at him for doing that. Like that's totally reasonable thing for him to do. And, uh, but I don't know, he's, he's a year younger than Bergeron. Like he's kind of a similar type of player where he's not relying on speed and quickness and stuff. So like the things that normally go for players, um, he plays a, a smaller version of a Yager type game. Um, and that's, that's something that ages pretty well. 
so I'm not super concerned. I'm a little concerned about health um, for both him and, and Bergeron, just because they're older and they've, they haven't been the most, uh, they haven't been blessed with the best health uh, of, of hockey players, but I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at the roster. I'm like, there have been improvements made and you get Krejci back like with Taylor Hall full season, I hope. And, finally getting to play with Pasternak for a full season. That looks awesome to me. Like, I do wonder when we talk about the health, uh, Connor, have any of the players talked about um, essentially we're what two years removed from having just uh, like a full season stoppage halfway through the year and players essentially were hovering in this holding pattern for what six months there and then they were brought back in a weird condensed situation with uh unideal there were non-ideal schedules for every single team and every team thought that they had the worst of it and i think the dallas stars ended up winning that uh that that war um but um i mean we're we have to be to a point where a lot of those start and stop related injuries have to be sort of leveling out. Right. So can we assume that there's going to be a little bit of a health improvement, not, not just for the Bruins, but sort of league wide just because of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that, uh, especially a guy like Brad Martian has been super vocal about that throughout, as you said, with how unpredictable, how odd the schedule has been for the last two, two plus years, pretty much Martian has been the guy who, uh, has always been very upfront of his opinion on things. So I remember, I think it was coming back from uh, going up to the bubble after the season was first paused. He was like, this is going to be terrible because everyone's going to have soft tissue injuries. Like we've only been practicing for a few weeks. We go up there. Uh, we're going right into like, you know, playoff style hockey. Yeah. They had always like those few scrimmages that decided like seating. All right. We're not going to take that seriously because we're still trying to get more or less warmed up. And then we go right into a playoff style atmosphere. So I think for especially just guys who, you know, obviously you have Marchand and these guys who are recovering, which I think the fact that we're getting back on a somewhat normal schedule uh, should help a little bit in terms of giving them more time to rehab. But I think just the guys who go through the regular wear and tear of a season that even if, you know, during breakup day, you're not talking about, you have to undergo surgery. All those guys are obviously banged up and and, uh, give them time to rest. So I think going back to, the traditional, you know, 82 games, a set schedule. It's not we're bumping it into late October or anything like that um, and, you know, pushing the postseason into July or anything. Um, it should help out in terms of getting guys maybe back acclimated to what we've seen in years past before. Obviously, everything kind of went upside down, to put it lightly. <laughs> yeah, you'd say that for sure. Yeah, so it's, it's- forget that last year was kind of fake too just because it was, <laughs> it was the, the most normal of the last several seasons but right. yeah it was still there, were, there were like several week periods where the Bruins had like four back-to-backs and it was just like uh, and the right, built-in off week of for right. one reason right they pushed that over then they yeah they pretty much had like the second half of December pretty much off yeah and then you push all those extra games so it was one of those ones where I remember at the beginning of the year there were so many games early on that or it was the fact the Bruins didn't really play that much I'm getting like the whole schedule messed up now but they <laughs> barely played in October you're like all right like this team's like waiting to to go and go and then they're pretty much sprinting to the the finish line and it's like all right you're not really in the right frame you know frame of mind to then go and play 
a team that plays with the pace like Carolina after you play, what was that absurd kind of schedule they had uh, right before the postseason? So the fact that at least we're getting to a point where this season, I, I think it's similar in that uh, I think right around late March, early April, it's it ramps up a little bit, but not to the degree of last year where you had to pretty much everyone had to juggle their schedule around just to deal with kind of those COVID stoppages, which we hope is not going to be the case this year. Yeah, so fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Yes. Or monkeypox stoppages. Yes. Please. Just something I, I wanted to get in because, um, I mean, we've – me, Chris, and Cam uh, have talked a lot about the Krejci and Bergeron stuff over the past year, basically. <laughs> but uh, something that's been mentioned or brought up a couple times about, like, the tanking and not ever really being able to have that first overall pick – like for the people who are calling for tanking, like, I, I mean, whether you have Bergeron and Krejci or not, I mean, like we've said, it was kind of like Bergeron was likely Krejci was a wish and nice to have, and it wound up happening. Um, but like you have McAvoy and Pasternak in their prime, you have Swayman coming up who, I mean, maybe not this year, but in a couple of years is probably just going to be known league wide as a solid starter at the very <laughs> least the way he's progressing. Um, and you have a bunch of young players in this depth and it's not, those guys might not, they're likely not the guys who are going to stick around and be franchise players. Like we hope Swayman and Pasternak and McAvoy are, um, but you still have them in your prime. Why would you tank when you are like teams that tank don't have those two key pieces. They're trading their McAvoy and their Pasternak to reset. The People Bruins who are, are calling not for tanking haven't, haven't taken a look at the roster of the teams that are tanking. Like, I don't think they fully realize what a tanking roster yeah. looks like. No, it's when no you get rid of your Jack Eichel. Like, you get rid of your Jack yeah. Eichel when you're tanking. You know, like, <laughs> that's when you're not a Vegas top five favorite, you're tanking. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's also a new I mean, trend. Yeah, you know, like you even look at teams that traditionally have had, you know, like a, a, a big market and a winning culture. So I'm like, look at Detroit as to like how long it's taken them. And it's like yeah. if you're a Bruins fan and you're already not probably the most patient bunch in terms of waiting for prospects to map out. And you went, let's say you went into the year and you didn't have Bergeron and Krejci. And it's like, all right, we're hoping that a guy like Sadnika pops, which you would, you know, let's say, let's say they go into the year and Sadnika is like the two C, which, and you'd have like, you know, that 10% of the Bruins fandoms like, he's finally getting a chance. What if he's just not that guy? Like, and then all of a sudden you're back to square one where you have this kind of black hole in a top six spot. You don't even have like, you know, Eric Holla there or anything that can kind of be a plug and play type of player. It's like, you're just back to square one. You don't have a deep farm system. So it's one of those ones where I don't think people realize as much as you want to embrace a youth movement and you want to get new blood in there. And that's exciting. And you look at teams that are, you know, incorporating young town like Anaheim or something like that. Well, look how like, look what Anaheim had to do to get those kind of prospects to add them in. Like, it's not, not fun to watch miserable, <laughs> no consequence no. hockey. Go eight hours end. west and see what Buffalo has been doing for the last yes. decade exactly. in the division, and you'll you'll get an idea of what it's like. Yeah, so. it, that's it that's is part of it. Yeah. Looking at, I mean, look at Buffalo. That's that's a team that, like you you brought up Detroit. That's a team that decided to tank and it worked. It it 
paid off for them. I mean, they were patient with it and it took them, what, five or six years and now they're back in And they're still moderate. not playoff teams. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, they're, they're like a bubble. Play. Like, they could maybe sneak into a wild card spot now at this point. Like, they've got their goalie situation finally figured out. But, but then look at Buffalo. I mean, that's a team that has a terrifying fan base that, I mean, Buffalo fans are not the most patient people in the world. They're just more used to sadness. And, you know, they... That team gambled and it, it hasn't paid off. I mean, that's that's the downside of tanking is sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah, and they, did, they did the tank and they got Jack and Eichel and they traded the guy they tanked for. They, yeah, they have <laughs> exactly. to climb back out of the tank. So they're, they're just like stuck in there now. Who's their best player now? Tage Thompson? Like, what didn't they hear him or is he still there? No, he's just there. He had like a 30 goal season, it was fun. <laughs> I feel like they're getting better, but I also like I, f- I felt like that for the last like four years. So I right. uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, Connor, I do know you got to run kind of soon, but one more question I wanted you to answer that I asked I think everyone here last week. But with Krejci Bergeron now resolved, what do you think is the biggest hole in the lineup that's that's going to be you know, aside from injuries? Like a fully healthy Bruins team, what's what's the hole? I, I think it still has to be maybe one more uh, guy probably in the, on that third line. Like I still feel like you need more of a set option there to, to get more offense out of that group. Now, again, it could be something where it very well pans out that you still need. Um, you know, I, I think Craig Smith could be a guy that rebounds. Uh, I know people mentioned him as a potential trade candidate, even though I still think they look probably more at defense for that um, in, in terms of maybe freeing up cap space, but we'll see how that kind of pans out. But whether it's, you know, Coyle, Zaka, Smith, like they're, that's a good group to work with. And you hope that they kind of pop and it works out well because they all have that, the skill set that should complement each other. But whether it's maybe adding another impact guy in, in that lineup to, you know, help, because you, you just look at the way this team's built and how good these rosters have been the last couple of years. What's kind of been one thing that's hampered them every step of the way has been, you know, even strength scoring and it drying up. So, uh, I think that's one thing where you still have to look at either on the third line or somewhere else in the lineup, uh, another proven scorer. But um, we'll we'll see kind of how it how it all pans out there. You also very very well make the argument about like depth as well, especially defensively. Um, but I would probably say for me, I would I would go for maybe another proven again, fifteen twenty goal score or something like that. Cam, you're muted. And... I'm just going to stay muted. No, I was going to say, I agree. I feel like the Bruins are usually a team that, like, even if they're not stacked on defense, especially with Bergeron and Krejci back, we're going to play good team defense. But the issue is scoring sometimes. So I'd, I'd buy into that. Fire Sweeney, hire Connor. Start the hashtag. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's go. Bruce and yeah, Bruins. You want that job. All five of you. Let's... <laughs> There's more than five people. This is the five of us on this call. It's yeah. not even yeah, it. It really is. <laughs> no, we got a nice nation here. Uh, Connor, no, you got to run, but uh, where can we find your work? Where can all our listeners find your work? Um, yep. And on the socials. Yes, uh, you can find all my work over at bostonsportsjournal.com. We'll keep you updated throughout this offseason. I'll say a spoiler. I don't think a lot else is going to happen over the next couple of weeks until we get to training camp. 
I'm going to say that and Pasternak will sign tomorrow. So I'm going to say you gladly... heard it here first. Yes, I will. I'm not signing before training. Camp. Yes. That was strategy I... right there. He's yes, so I will gladly take credit. Please <laughs> reclip that if that happens tomorrow. I'll gladly take credit for it. But if anything happens between now and training camp, you can find all of my uh, content over at bostonsportsjournal.com. Please subscribe there. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Hell oh. easy, brother Steezy. Thanks as always, Thanks, man. man. This is good, good to see you, man. Awesome. Great. Thank you, guys. We'll slide into your DMs again soon. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs>